This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to Episode 22. If you want to play a key role in designing the next generation of aircraft, and you have an interest in math and science, an aerospace engineering job might interest you. Aerospace engineers develop the new technologies in aviation, defense systems, and spacecraft. But before we get started, a quick word from our sponsor. One of the best ways to keep motivated and informed is through reading, watching videos, and listening to audiobooks. Amazon.com is a great way to shop for information and products relating to the field of aviation. Amazon also is a huge online store where you can find most of your shopping needs. If you want to help support Aviation Careers Podcast, shop at one of the largest online retailers by linking to Amazon from our website. Simply click on the Shop at Amazon button or type in your web browser, aviationcareerspodcast.com slash Amazon. By linking to Amazon from this website, you help make available all the valuable career content in this podcast. Most importantly, it doesn't cost you any more to simply link from this website and purchase your products. Thanks for your support. Today, I have with me someone who can help us understand what it's like to be involved in one of the more exciting engineering projects shaping the future of air travel. Alan Lawless is a chief flight test engineer and will be helping us understand the career opportunities in aerospace engineering. Uh, Welcome to Aviation Careers Podcast, Al. Well, thank you much. Hey, you know, uh, it's interesting. Everybody that listens to this podcast and, and, and people that aren't even in the career of aviation that listen, they're really passionate about, about aviation. And uh, it seems that engineers especially are, are very passionate and know so much as far as the history and, and obviously the design of all the different aircraft out there. Uh, but, but how did you become interested in, in aviation and also engineering? Well, uh, ever since I was a kid, I was a bit of an airplane nut. You know, I studied all the the uh, air, you know, the World War II planes and the the, the post-war jets, and I used to build the models and so forth. So it was just built in me from the get-go, and uh, uh, so that was pretty clear. And then, as far as the engineering part of it, you know, I think uh, a lot of people are sort of born to be an engineer. You know, if you look around you and you say, "I wonder how that's built," so, you know, and and what were they thinking when they did this? And, you know, this surely wasn't an accident. There must have been a reason. And if your brain thinks like that and you, you like to, to delve into that, then you're probably uh, going to do well as an engineer. So that was those two pieces brought me to this uh, career. So when you were looking at those World War II airplanes, I guess you weren't just looking at just the historical significance. You were kind of looking at it and saying, boy, I wonder how they built that. Oh, well, exactly. A- exactly. You know, why was this airplane better than the other one? You know, what, what what was special about it? Was it more maneuverable? Was it have longer range, better visibility, better view out the cockpit? Uh, all those kinds of things. And it doesn't matter whether it's, you know, World War II fighters or, or transport airplanes or, or race cars or whatever it is you're thinking of. Um, if, if that's the kind of uh, mind that you have, that you want to delve into the whys, uh, then, uh, then that's, uh, yeah, you kind of get drawn into that career path. And you know it's it's really cool what 
what you get to do is you actually, as an engineer, you're making things work. I mean, you go from theory to, to practical use. I think that's it, – it's not – it's science, but it seems there's a little bit of an art to it too and some trial and error. Well, certainly there, there's been a lot of that. Uh, if you look uh, down to the last 100 years of aviation, you go on the Internet and, and look at all kinds of airplane pictures. There's some crazy stuff out there, a lot of guys trying to innovate. Uh, trying to do new things, and over the course of time, you you try new things, and you have you sort of end up with what's conventional. Uh, you go out and look at a, a business jet today or an airliner, and they all have more or less the same kind of layout with the with the wings and the engine slung underneath and the tail and a, a, a typical standard tail. Well, there's a reason all that stuff became standard is because they tried a thousand different ideas, and, and it sort of collated into the best solution. Going back to what you do, you're you're. This is really cool. What you do, you're actually on the forefront of designing aircraft, and your title is chief flight test engineer. Now, uh, engineers have many different jobs, but what exactly is a chief flight test engineer? What do you do? Well, the um, yeah, the flight testing end is uh, it's basically at the what we call the pointy end of the job. All right, there, there's all the designers and the and the preliminary designers. <clears throat> that lay out the conceptual ideas. Well, in this case, we're talking about airplanes. You lay out the conceptual uh, uh, layout of an airplane and figure out the basic parameters. And then all the detailed design engineers get in there and they say, well, exactly how are we going to build the little bracket and the gusset and exactly how much voltage should run through here and how do you cool it and where's the exits and a, a bazillion details. Each person... Um, is a specialist in his own right. There's a, there's a, a team of specialists that do only the air conditioning system or the or the uh, anti ice system, and they're all specialists. When you add it all up, then you get an airplane. And our job as flight testers is to take that final product. Okay, so we are not the the design specialist, but what we are is the test specialists. So we know when you put the whole package together all the things you have to think about in order to test it uh, correctly and safely, too, because uh, that's pretty critical to, to us. <laughs> We're in the airplane. We want to be safe. That's fascinating. I mean, it, that you get to be at that part. But what, what happens when you find something that doesn't work? What do you have to do then? And, you know, that's the most critical thing about our profession is most of it is about doing your homework. All right. It's not... Uh, you know, 80 years ago, you can jump in an airplane and go fly, but that was pretty risky business. These days, uh, everybody in the profession does a lot of homework. You say, what are all the, the, the what ifs? What if this doesn't work? Okay, It's a, it's a new product or a, a change to a product, and you want to go out and fly it. Uh, let's say uh, uh, you want to see what happens if you suddenly lose an engine. Right? Any airplane, any time can you know, take a bird strike, and all of a sudden, boom, you lose an engine. Right, what happens? Does the airplane sling sideways? Does it roll upside down? All that kind of stuff. What can you do? All right, so we, through a methodical process, you, you build up to it. And maybe uh, if, if the airplane is really unknown, you don't know what's going on, you say, well, I'm going to simulate a bird strike by slowly retarding the throttle and see how the airplane responds. And then if that's okay, I'll, I'll, I'll pull it back a little quicker, and then a little quicker again. And then I'll do it at a, lo a faster speed and a slower speed and a slower speed. So you have a process for stepping down into the, the most critical area. Um, so even if you don't have any mathematical modeling, uh, that most of modern equipment does these days, um, you can still s 
simply by test. Uh, use methods to keep you safe as you try to get the answer you're looking for. So that's what I was saying about the homework. You you plan it out, so you try to think of everything that can happen and have a, a response for all the moves. Moves, you know, it's it's you know, people who play chess. They think three moves in advance, and you know, a, a black belt in karate thinks four moves in advance between what move he's going to do and the next guy. It's very much like that. You try to you try to anticipate everything and then be ready. Uh, uh, as it as it unfolds, and you touched on something there where things have progressed than from just fifty years ago in, in flight test engineering. It seems like there's a little more trial and error back then, and uh, it seems like through mathematical models and 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 from experience, I'm sure you've been able to move forward. But what I'm wondering, trying to get wrap my head around this, what about how many how far have we come in other words i guess back then maybe 50 percent of what we tried failed today uh, is that how low is that rate you think in the sense of testing something that you think is going to work uh we're pretty successful i would say about 70 percent of the time things work without uh, any sort of difficulty uh the other 30 percent something's not quite right um uh, but it could be anything. Airplanes are complex mechanisms, all right? You have, uh, let's say I'm going to make sure that my airplane can fly well on a hot bay, all right? Um, well, probably in flight tests, the best way to do that is to go to a hot place. Uh, so you, you go out to Arizona somewhere in a hot summer day, and you heat up the fuel on the airplane, and up you go. And maybe under those extreme circumstances, the airplane doesn't pass the test. Now, under a normal day, uh, normal conditions, it's fine. But when you push the envelope, okay, to the edges of what the airplane is designed to do, that's typically where you find failures. And it's not, I, I'm not talking about catastrophic failures. That's pretty rare, actually. But it's just, it, you know, with the specifications are that the airplane shall operate just this way and the engine won't fluctuate. But maybe under the extreme conditions, it starts to hiccup. Well, we don't like that. We don't want the engine to hiccup. Okay, so that's the kind of stuff we're talking about. You're getting up, you're pushing up to the edges of the envelope, and you're looking for those little hiccups. Now, with that said, now I, I thought it'd be higher than that. Uh, I hear people say, "Well, there's not been much in the way of aviation, no, no real strides uh, since maybe 30 years ago." But I, I think we really are moving forward, don't you, with new technologies and, and new designs? Sure. The, uh, the, the emphasis, uh, getting that last 10% of, of advancement uh, is always more work. You know, in the early days of aviation, you know, the, the, the obvious advancement came in big strides. It took a couple of smart people, early designers, and all of a sudden airplanes improved markedly. You know, in the, the, the first uh, 60 years of aviation, there was huge jumps, and it didn't take, by, by today's standards, that many people to make the huge jumps because there was so much non-existent technology that things moved very quickly. But as, as airplanes get more and more sophisticated, as we know more, it takes a lot more brain power, a lot more... Uh, uh, effort to make the next step up and so forth. And any technology is like that. Whether you look at bridges or civil engineering or anything like that, uh, when something is brand new, you make really rapid advances. And then to make the next level, it takes a lot more effort. So that's uh, technically what's going on in aviation now. To make an airplane, you know, again, 100 years ago, to make an airplane 20% more efficient, 
that happened pretty easily. You just had a few more ideas. These days, to make an airplane 20% more efficient is huge. It's almost unachievable because things are just so good. You know, the last generation was so good, it's hard to make any improvements. So it's more effort to get a smaller change, but everybody is working towards it. All the organizations, they have wind tunnels out there, and they're, they're squeezing everything they can out of it. And that's whether it's from the aerodynamics or from the structures, uh, and especially in, in the recent generation, it's been avionics. The sophistication of avionics in the airplane uh, has gone up uh, magnificently. And the problem with that is the complexity of the, the software also goes up. So there's a huge amount of manpower effort going in to make those those changes, but it's all transparent to the pilot. Uh, he, there's no way the pilot can know how much uh, engineering went into it. He just gets an airplane and, hey, it works great, and it's easy to use, and that's all he knows. Well, it sounds really fascinating. I mean, it, that that's really cool. I, the the challenges are really there. I mean, we we still have more strides, and, and maybe there's even more challenges, and it takes a, a more effort, like you said, just to make that smaller incremental change. And I think I think that's one of the neat things about your job. I th- it, that's pretty exciting that you're you're part of that. And you know, before we get into the educational background, you know, what is it you really like about it? What, what do you think is really cool, and what makes you get up in the day and say, "Hey, I can't wait to get to work." Well, the um, as I mentioned earlier, uh, flight test guys tend to be at the pointy end of things. So we get to uh, have the final product, and we get to talk to all the design engineers and figure out to, to have a good understanding. Where we don't have a, we didn't design the airplane, but we try to have the very best understanding of what it's supposed to do and how it's all supposed to fit together. So we get the whole package, and then we get to go out and evaluate it. And our days are pretty uh, uh, chaotic in terms of. Uh, you know, you you plan a test, you you brief a flight test mission, you go out and you try to execute it, but then something happens. Uh, either some instrumentation doesn't work, or the results aren't what you want, or air traffic control tells you that you can't go here, you have to go there. So you're it's in a constant state of turmoil, replanning and, and so forth. It's not for the faint of heart. If you like the if you like the kind of job where you just kind of turn the crank and do the same thing every day and everybody leave you alone, flight test is not for you. Uh, it's it's the kind of business where it is by, almost by definition uh, a chaotic environment because there's so many factors that change all the time, and you just got to come in with your with your game face on every day and and be ready for the next uh, uh, turmoil. Hey, that that sounds that sounds really cool. I mean, it, you know, a lot of the guys that fly for the airlines they almost want something to break to have that next challenge. Sounds like you're getting a challenge almost uh, daily there. So that that's pretty neat. I mean, that, that sounds really really interesting, and I'm sure you know it's got me interested. But you know, for someone to get to to your level or just to become an engineer, they they have to do something first. You can't just wake up one morning and say, "I want to be an engineer." There's there's some type of education I'm sure involved. I mean, there's there's lots to know and. Um, what what type of education or say degrees would they need to become uh, say a flight test engineer? Well, a flight test engineer uh, is a person who's again evaluating various parts of the airplane. Now, depending on how sophisticated of an airplane you're on, uh, it can be something as simple as a, a small Piper or a small Cessna single engine airplane. And in an airplane like that, one flight test engineer can do all the testing. So you need to know a little bit about the performance and stability and control, a little bit about avionics, and a little bit about everything. Uh, If you are on a program uh, such as a 747 or the B-2 bomber or something, you tend to be highly specialized. I'm a flight test engineer, but all I do is uh, 
weapons on the B2, weapons drops. And then that's my whole world. I've, I spent my entire career doing just that. Um, or I do only uh, flight controls, uh, the automatic autopilots and things like that. So there's, there's all kinds of possibilities out there. You can be sort of a, a generalist uh, or you can specialize in, in one uh, area. And there's, as I was saying earlier, the amount of depth in, in aviation now is far, far greater than it was uh, 80 years ago. So uh, if you, you, you can specialize in, in one small part of flight testing and not touch the other ones. So having said that, that, that kind of helps me answer your question. If you want to be a general flight test engineer on a, have a, a, you don't need a deep amount of knowledge then any basic engineering or technical degree would get your foot in the door. If, however, you want to be a, a flight test engineer for autopilots, then it would make sense then that you would have a degree in something related to that. So aerospace engineering or more specifically some, some classes in flight controls or an electrical engineering degree which has a lot of feedback theory. So depending on which way you want to specialize, uh, that's it. But in general, the most general answer is an engineering degree gets your foot in the door or physics or other good technical uh, degree. Because the, the, the key is that you think very logically and rationally and thoroughly. Uh, and, and that's common among people with technical degrees. Is they, That's why they're drawn to that and that's why they like that sort of thing. Once you get your foot in the door of an organization and flight test, Typically there, they'll show you the ropes and the, the particular language and, and the details of how we do it in this organization uh, and, and, and go on from there. But once you have those technical thinking tools and some basic mathematics skills, then you can, you can start this kind of a career. So if you have a specific – say you're really interested in, say, chemical engineering. Let's take that, for instance. That might be a bit of a stretch. I'm not sure. Say you're really interested in chemical engineering, but you love aviation. You know, how would someone meld those two? Offhand, I can't think of how you would directly use your chemical engineering uh, background in, in aviation. Now, there's always some genius out there who can make a connection that I'm not saying and, and realize, hey, these two things go together. But if I'm looking at resumes, I'm looking to hire somebody – uh, I certainly wouldn't discount somebody with an uh, excuse me a chemical engineering degree or any kind of technical degree, because really what it's about is for, well there's a, there's a lot of it a lot of weight goes towards enthusiasm, all right and so if if this I have a resume from a, a chemical engineer who loves airplanes and he's actually done something with airplanes participated in some organizations or whatever to to show him that he really likes this then I might be willing to give him a give him a chance. To, to get in this. Because again, once you get your foot in the door, I can say, look, here's how we do our business. And, you, and as long as you have those critical thinking skills that everybody talks about, but it's, it's just being really rational and logical and understanding that for everything, there's a reason and there's a process and you have to be methodical because people are counting on you to be methodical. It's, it's, not, it's not for people who are flighty. I wonder if there's a, even computer people would be prone to going into that because they think very logically and they're very analytical. So that what, seems like maybe a computer scientist would also be somebody who might be able to get into flight test engineering, possibly? Uh, yes. Uh, the, the computer scientist people I've worked with generally prefer staying on the computer side of things. Uh, they, uh, a lot of people, when they, they invest uh, years of their education or career into something, they 
that's usually for a reason because they like it. That's their original passion. So I don't see a lot of crossover. Not that it wouldn't be welcome, but uh, people tend to, a, a lot of people know what they want from early on and they just stay on that track. Uh, but cross fertilization is what we're talking about here, and uh, we we certainly uh, uh, invite that. Well, now if someone goes out and gets an engineering degree, uh, they they probably should prepare themselves. Now, let's back up prior to that. They're in high school. Say so there's you know people listening right now that are in high school right now, and they think it sounds really cool and they want to be an engineer. What what do you think? What type of advice would you give to somebody in high school right now how to prepare for that engineering degree? Maybe some classes they might want to take. Yeah, the the difference, one of the, the big differences between engineering and technology is the math. So uh, if you go to a university and you go get a, uh, let's say we're talking airplanes, so aerospace technology degree, you'll learn a lot of the same uh, type of material except for the math. Uh, so if, if you're not so strong in that, you can consider a technology direction. However, uh, we are, in my profession, we're flight test engineers, and generally it requires an actual engineering degree to, to get your foot in the door. There's exceptions, and there's people that, you know, by virtue of hard work and being there, they, uh, somebody with a technology degree can get in. Um, but it generally it requires that, that engineering label. To get that engineering degree, it's pretty typical the class that you need. It's uh, calculus and partial differential equations. And again, not that we use that every day in our jobs, at least in, in aerospace. A lot of the guys uh, don't, you know, we don't uh, haven't opened up our math books in a long time. But what that does is it gives you that foundation so you know where things come from. You know what an integral is or what a derivative is. And in your particular job, you... Uh, you can understand why you're integrating something or taking a first or second derivative of something. So you get the idea, and that's what's important. So you don't have to have, you don't have to be a superstar in math and in pure mathematics to do well in engineering. What you have to do is recognize that that connection, that those are tools. Just like uh, uh, people today. Uh, it's at younger and younger ages, they're learning how to use, uh, let's say, Microsoft Excel worksheets. And that's a tool for putting data together and plotting up data and so forth. Just like English is a tool for, you know, and, and so forth. And that's really what we look for, somebody that has the basic tools that when you walk in the door, we can show you how to put the tools together for us. So that's really the emphasis uh, I'm looking for, is somebody who... I don't have to train on what an what a integral is or what a derivative is, uh, things like that. I expect them to have that when they walk in the door. Um, and then as far as aviation classes, in you know, my case, uh, somebody who understands what angle of attack is and, and dynamic pressure, those kinds of things help me a lot uh, so that I don't have to go back to the basics and retrain somebody. So I do look for somebody with some basics in, in aviation. And I think most of the universities will tell you that, that what they provide is the tools, the the foundation, so that you can go to a job and get trained up from there. Well, that that makes sense. And the, the, you know, mathematics seems really important here. I wonder if someone who's a pure mathematician could, could also become like a flight test engineer. Yes. It, uh, the, the pure mathematician... Uh, Personality. If if what's all you like is the math, but you don't really like applying the math. If you if you're abstract, 
then this is probably not the place for you because everything here is applied. What we do is, you know, we, we, we see how it all fits together and you know, what is the, what is the essence? So what if, uh, you know, using that example about flying, going to Arizona and flying hot, a mathematician can help us come up with the equations to say, um, and to extrapolate your answers. Let's say I wanted to do my test when it was 120 degrees outside, but it was really only 110. Okay. A good mathematician can help us figure out how to take that data and uh, extrapolate it or modify it so that it, <clears throat> in case it was a 120-degree day, what would the answer have been? That's the applied math part. So that, that kind of person would be valuable uh, in, in any part of engineering, not, not just flight tests. Right, because you're you're really you are are hands on basically with with your degree. You're actually making things worth. It's not not theoretical, that's for sure. The uh, you know, and and th- this really actually sounds fascinating to me. You know, my background's math and in computers, and and this this is just absolutely fascinating. And I'm sure there's other people like that. So if you do have a degree in math and you're into aviation, there there is still hope for you there. You don't have to go back and get that engineering degree, um, but uh, but it would have to be somebody who who has a a leaning more towards the practical application you're saying as opposed to the theoretical side. Sure. Um, and just to, to reinforce that, uh, now that you mentioned it, the, uh, the Society of Flight Test Engineers has a, uh, a scholarship program for uh, uh, people in schools, uh, in, in college, and it goes towards anybody studying a technical degree, including mathematics, because we feel mathematics, uh, uh, of course, a- engineering, physics, other kinds of science, all can transfer into our profession. So we, we very much agree with that. That's neat. They, uh, you just mentioned the Society of Flight Test Engineers. Now, that's uh, in obviously an organization for flight test engineers. And this might be something for uh, our listeners to, to actually look towards. And I'll, I'll definitely put a link on aviationcareerspodcast.com so they can see that. That would probably be one of the key organizations I would think someone would look towards. Is that correct? Spot on. Absolutely. Absolutely. When, when I'm reading a resume, the first thing I look for is professional interest. And Society of Flight Test Engineers is very pinpoint. That's, that's all we do in, in that particular society. But if somebody is a member of the Experimental Aircraft Association or AIAA, the American Institute of Aeronautics and Astronautics, or the uh, aviation arm of the Society of Automotive Engineers. So there's all kinds of professional organizations out there. And that's what I look for, somebody who in, enjoys this to the point where they do it on their off time. So they're passionate about that. And that's a, that's a key signal to me that, that that person is here to stay in this business. And I'm not wasting my time training this person. And, and I keep coming back to that because when somebody comes in the door, I know I'm going to have to train them. There's so much to teach them. But if this is somebody who doesn't really care about airplanes, then or you know my, my particular profession – then I'm less inclined to spend my time with that person. But if I see that you're already interested and you're already doing that sort of thing because it's really where you want to go with your life, then I want to double down on my investment on that person. And I think one of the key things you said there is a passion, and that, and that really is important, no matter what you do. I mean, no matter what it is your, your career focus is, you really have to have that passion. And in my mind, the engineers that I know, I have a friend that works on nuclear subs, and they are so passionate about what they do, and that's, that's absolutely terrific. There's, there's something there 
that that they that they all resonate with. And if you get a group of engineers together, it's it's interesting to step back and watch them because they they start they start chatting and then they get really excited and into whatever they're talking about. And even though I am totally lost as to what they're saying, it's just fascinating just to watch them and have that camaraderie. Yeah, it's it's a a problem solving thing. You, you know, here's the situation. I want to I want to solve this problem. Whether you know, it's some you know some sort of engineering problem, technical problem. But uh, how do I get there from here? You know, what's what's the path? Uh, the nice thing about working with engineers, we kind of joke about that around the office a lot. Is things are pretty much either black and white, or we at least agree where they're gray. You know, well, we don't have enough information, so we can take an educated guess. We're not sure, but the rest of it. You, you kind of agree. There's no uh, there's no hidden agendas, and everything's black and white because it's all mathematically based. And uh, we, we, the running joke is that if we, any of us were ever on the Survivor, we'd all get voted off the island first because all we can do is shoot straight. You know, you don't know how to hide your 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 game and and be sneaky. Is just you just lay it all out there, and that's how you work. That's great. You know, I lo- I'm gonna I'm gonna quote you on that one. We all agree where it's gray. That is awesome. Uh, that's good. I mean, my new mantra: as long as we can agree that it's gray, then we can go forward. But, yeah. Uh, that, that's <laughs> it's and that probably why I have an affinity, and most people do for engineers, is you know you'll get an answer. To, you know, getting to where the rubber meets the road. Now that we're talking about it. You know, people are going to want to know how much you make and and what the lifestyle is like. Let's let's first talk about the lifestyle. You know what it, what does an engineer do? You know, I envision somebody you know walking into a building and and then being in a room and and writing and working on a computer all day. But uh, there's there's many things that they do. Maybe you could maybe explain a little bit about what your what your days like and what are most people's days like. Okay, in the uh, I've been in the aviation profession for. Well, about th- almost three decades now. So I've been in different countries and different states and, and or- all kinds of different organizations. Um, so with that background, I can say that uh, engineers are there because they they love the work itself. Uh, of course, you, you have your colleagues and you get along with and you, and you joke around and so forth, and that always is the bonus. It's, uh, that's something we all, you know, we're, we're not as nerdy as the reputation is about being uh, antisocial. Um, so that that's the common thread. The guys are primarily there for the job. It's not for the glory, and it's not to get your name in the paper and that sort of thing. And we couldn't care less about that kind of stuff. And so, for that reason, what we want is a nice office where you can do your job and you can use your brain and, and do what you want to do. Um, and typically, uh, you know, you sit in a, in a big office with with your space to it, and you just look over the wall and talk to your colleagues and you, to get work done so you can collaborate and that sort of thing. So it's a working environment is uh, generally pretty casual. Uh, everyone's, uh, again, it's uh, not, not a lot of uh, politics and things like that because everyone's focused on getting the same sort of job done. So the, the working environment is something like that. Uh, there's uh yeah most engineering offices are not very uh remarkable it's just a big a big office building i've in in my profession i've very rarely had a nice view out to a, some pretty trees or anything like that it's it's just typically not part of the industry uh every now and then you might get lucky and, and find something like that but it's you know we're we're here to look at our computer screens and and have meetings and and that sort of thing and that's what we're here for uh, and lunchtime is when you go outside. Right. Well, so if you want to look outside, you'd, you'd probably be one that would, uh, and you're interested in aviation, want to fly the airplane as opposed to, to sitting in an office if you're, you're prone to that, I guess. 
that's right. In my case, you know, a lot of flight testers, one of the things that we like about it is uh, you move around a lot. You do. You, send, you certainly spend some time at your desk getting organized, but then there's you getting up and you have meetings and you're talking to people and you get up to the airplane and you know you, of course you fly and you debrief and and it's moving around a lot more. So we're at our desks the least of anybody in the company, I'd say. Now you said something about flying there, and I and I think this is a key point. Do you actually get in the airplane? Yes. Uh, typically, uh, uh, well, I shouldn't say typically. Quite often, a flight test engineer is in the airplane, but it's not. It's not the definition of a flight test engineer. Uh, by definition, it's somebody, an engineer or technical person working in flight test. So it's very broad. But depending on the particular organization and how it's set up, you might have a flight test engineer in the back of the airplane collecting data or even up in the front of the airplane in the right seat um, of a business jet. So you might have a, the, the pilot in command is in the left seat and a, and a flight test engineer is in the right seat, flying and collecting data, uh, what, you know, while the pilot flies and, and maybe talking on the radio and that sort of thing. Uh, so that's that's a really nice situation. Quite often the FTEs are in the back of the airplane. And, of course, there's, there's a great many FTEs that don't fly, and they're either in the control room, mission control, you know, watching the flight or preparing for the flight and so forth. So there's a, a pretty wide variety of things going on. Well, that, sound, that sounds interesting. It sounds like a good lifestyle. And plus, hey, you get to go home every night, and uh, that that's pretty cool. Um, the, the other thing too, that I think uh, we need to talk about a little bit is what type of salaries can somebody expect? And that's, uh, what I'll do is just a quick quote of, uh, I like to look at the Bureau of Labor Statistics and, and the numbers I usually take are, from, you know, maybe one or two years old. And what I'm showing here, and I'm, I'm just looking at aerospace engineers is that the median, okay, that's in the middle, is the, the median, in other words, half below, half above, 97480 is what they show as the median income for an aerospace engineer, which actually is a little higher than general engineering jobs. And general engineering jobs, the median's at 83000 And to put this in perspective, of all jobs out there, and this is all jobs, your median is like 33000 in the U.S. And that was in, that was in the, oh gosh, in 2010. What, what this, this shows you, and just to give you an, an idea what kind of ranges we're looking at, the statistics show that the bottom 10% earn less than 60000 but the top 10% earn 140 and above so earn more than 140 so if you're somebody looking at a, at a job in aerospace engineering those are the type of ranges you're looking at pay wise and if you can live with that that's terrific and w- would you agree with the the numbers that that they have put forth that sounds pretty fair to me uh, in my experience the aerospace engineers have been in the top two or three of all uh, engineer flavors, as I call them. Mm-hmm. Uh, chemical engineers have, have often done well. Electrical engineers have often done well. And then aerospace is usually up there in the top three or four uh, in terms of how it breaks out. But uh, honestly, anybody who wants to get into this business in aerospace versus another kind of engineering, do it because you want to, not for the money. I mean, that's, uh, you just kind of, you're killing yourself if you do it just for the money. Um, you got to go where you where your heart is and and where where the fun is. I gosh, very well said. I think that's very true. People are I think are starting to realize that you have to go with something you really love to do. And, uh, and you know that you're in a job where you're working for a private company. Uh, it seems that from the statistics I've read, the the federal government jobs actually are are just slightly higher pay wise than the the private organizations. But um, but let's you know they're they're not much different. Let's look at jobs though. Uh, let's look at uh, going forward. 
and and looking towards a future, say in, in aerospace engineering. It uh, you know it, it looks like there there's engineering jobs and then there's aerospace engineering and then there's other jobs. Aerospace engineering actually, if you look at all the different engineering jobs, it's actually growing at about half the rate, or projected to grow at about half the rate of en- other engineering jobs. So to me, that tells me you're going to have to be a little more competitive going forward. So like what you have said, all those the advice you've given, I think is important that they go out and they get have a passion for this because because you're going to be competing a little bit more in the years to come as compared to other engineering jobs. And I think part of that was. Uh, possibly do that all the engineers say with the the nasa program being scaled back slightly there um and and have you found that lately have you found it's getting a little more competitive or do you think it will be in the future well as a hiring manager i've certainly found that it's uh, more difficult for me to find uh qualified people that that uh, are willing to come for the the uh, salaries and so forth because a lot of that's in flux right now and it's a you know the supply and demand business, and it, it sometimes it fluctuates wildly. Sometimes it it moves every couple of years. So there, there's always a bit of turmoil about what people think the going rate is for you know what what salaries are versus what the reality is, and because it's always kind of in flux, so it's a little bit hard to hard to answer that. But in general, uh, it's clear that it's more and more difficult to find uh, qualified people. Uh, now, people right out of school. Uh, that's, of course, easier to find because they don't have any experience in anything yet. But w- in most organizations, you need to have a high-low mix, right? You want to have some senior guys, experienced people, and then under the wing, you give them a wingman who's uh, right out of school, and, and uh, you have a mentorship, mentor relationship. So in order to maintain that balance, you're, you're, you're trying to pull from both ends. But if someone really likes this, boy, I tell you, go for it. I mean, this this if you're really interested in this, this sounds exciting, everything we've put out there, uh, I think I think you really should do it. I mean, don't let that hold you back because you you just have to put yourself up there. You have to use take the advice of Al here and say, hey, listen, this is what I want to do. I need to get involved in these organizations. These are the type of careers and type of degrees I need to get and 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 move forward with it. I mean, if and before you know we we close, I talked about the future of aerospace jobs. I I like to also play a little game with our guests and um, I didn't really brief Al on this as far as what other jobs are in uh, aerospace engineering that people can look towards and you know for me um, you know maybe you can make a suggestion next I, I've always said to people you know they're Everybody looks at aerospace engineering and they see pictures of somebody hanging out next to an airplane and and looking at the the actual engines on the airplane but there's there's many different things that they engineer um trying to think of any other ideas as to as far as aerospace engineering jobs and and their applications uh in any other jobs within that industry that maybe you can think of well there there's a lot of things that cross-fertilize from aerospace to other parts of uh, engineering. Uh, there's uh, data tools. Uh, how do you look at uh, the data? How do you manipulate data to get what you want? And some of it's pure mathematics and doing filters and so forth. And uh, uh, other parts is uh, outside of, say, data analysis would be uh, structural engineering. What applies, you know, the same principles apply to airplanes, apply to cars or other things that you might be building. Um, and the same with electronics and avionics. So there's a lot of cross-fertilization. Uh, I'm not sure if that answers your question. 
That's perfect. I mean, it's a, it's a tough one because especially in engineering, it seems like such a direct career path. And also with that, say you're in aerospace engineering and decide you want to go into another field uh, of engineering and, and you don't want to be in aerospace. You want to, you know, you're like, gosh, I want to work with bridges. I want to work to designing uh, buildings, that type of thing. You can't, there is that cross fertilization that way also out of the career. So if you decide it's not for you, then you can move forward there. But you still have to have those basics, you know, and the, and that, the ability to think, like you said, logically. Right. And the, the only, caveat to a, a major career transfer is you know if you stay in one career field for let's say 10 or 15 years all right you're going up pretty well on the salary scale because uh you've built a a certain amount of expertise then you have this expectation of what you're worth and if you want to jump over to a whole other career where you really need to start lower again because you haven't you don't have those specific skills anymore that's difficult for a lot of people to do because they, they want to keep that salary that they've gotten used to. But an organization says, well, you're, I'm sure you're a great aerospace engineer, but, but you don't know anything about building bridges, and I'm not going to pay you an aerospace engineer's salary to come over here and build bridges. And so you have to keep that in mind when you, when you want to make a career transfer late in the game. That's a great point. So, I mean, when you're young, you get a couple of years, two or three or four years, that's really the best time to move. So if you're not sure if you like something and you want to try it, try it, try it early before your, your, your earning potential uh, takes a wild swings when you make a career change. That's just something to keep in mind. Yeah, and that, that's good, Alan, because I think also that happens in aviation. You know, you want to change jobs, go somewhere else. You start all over, all over again in whatever it is you're doing. And the same thing, it sounds like, in, in a different field of engineering. Uh, and you you need, I guess, really the thing is, if you want to do it, do it, but you have to really plan, it sounds like. Yeah. And and, and don't talk yourself into doing something you don't want to do in the first place. I've uh, the, the saddest thing is I've known some engineers who, who got into it for the wrong reasons and you know they they were never really happy and it took them 10 or 15 years to realize wait but this isn't for me it's like oh man what were you waiting for and that and that's sad i mean that's that's that happens actually often and uh as a matter of fact most of my questions come from folks like that that they say hey listen here i am in this job and i'm stuck in this job you know what do i do well what you do is you you make a plan but i think al you had a great point that uh if you are quote unquote stuck in the job, that job, you you're only maybe financially stuck because you are used to making that higher salary. And uh, you know, being honest with yourself early on, I think that's some terrific advice. And I'm I'm glad you you said that, Al. And uh, I think people can really take away that information. What what else can you say to somebody who's who's looking at the let's just look at the aerospace engineering? You know, is would you you know, would you recommend it? I should say to someone, somebody who's looking to get into it, say a younger person, and even someone who's looking at a career change. I would recommend it for anybody who who has the passion for it. It's it tends to be uh, pretty hard working in terms of uh, forty hour weeks are not the norm. Most organizations, especially these days, they're the organizations are lean and they need people. They they can't have as many people, so they need everybody to work harder and longer hours. Um, that's kind of the norm now. I'm not saying it's always like that. So uh, that that's part of the environment. Make sure it's an environment that you want to be in. Um, yeah, I mean, certainly I'm, I'm a big fan of aerospace. I think it's 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 particularly interesting. I like the dynamics of it, and you know the the, the fact that airplanes fly and so forth. But I wouldn't try to ever try to draw somebody from uh, whatever career field they're in into aerospace uh, under just because I think it's cool. 
And that's important. And that's, that's some, some good advice there too. I mean, you just have to, you have to figure out if it's cool for you. And, uh, and that's, I think what we're trying to do is a common theme in this, in this show. Is there anything else you'd like to add to anything we've said or have I forgotten anything? Um, I would say one last thing is for, for, especially for the young people that are, that are trying to get out there, uh, doubling down on my comment earlier about, uh, showing some enthusiasm. I've been uh, most impressed with people who would find me. I'm not out there saying, uh, I'm not out there on the internet with my name saying, Hey, send me your resume every day. Somehow some people who really want to get in this business, they find me and they, they, they do their homework. They dig through it. They make phone calls or whatever it is they're doing. And they say, I'm here and I really am very interested in this. And then the fact that they found me is, is, is pretty impressive. And then six months later, they'll, they'll say, hey, I'm still here. I'm still very interested. And eventually, something's going to open up, and that's going to be the first individual I think of. Um, and that's the kind of person I want to invest in. That's terrific. I think uh, we look at it and you say persistence and perseverance has, has shown that it works, and, and especially in that case. So if, if they can find an HR manager or someone like yourself who does a lot of hiring, uh, that would very much impress them. And I, I think that's very true. If you really are interested in a job, you should really do your research and, and look at that and, and research the key players like yourself. Yeah, you can do it through the professional organizations, right, and, and, and start talking to people and make connections. And the better you are at making connections, the better you're going to be in life in, in general. It's not just engineering, but the, when you see how things are, are, are connected together, you go, hey, wait a minute, this person knows that person and degrees of separation or, or just ideas and so forth. So I, I think that's what uh, would be good overall thinking. Well, Alan, I, I really appreciate your coming here today and talking to it, our audience about this. And, you know, it really is fascinating what you do as an aerospace engineer. And I, I have to say one thing. I do appreciate what you do because, you know, I'm in the air almost every day. And, and I, I just it just amazes me what these engineers have put together when they put together a really good airplane. So so I really do appreciate what you folks do for us. Well, you know, it's it's you make a good point there because uh... – it is phenomenal the amount of things that you consider to make an airplane safe. It is extraordinary for a certified airplane. I mean, airplanes are designed and tested to prove that if one thing breaks, it's not going to be catastrophic. You know, you can lose an engine because of, like I mentioned, a bird strike, and we've designed the airplane that you can still come home, or you can blow the hydraulic system and you can still come home, or something can happen and you can still come home, and it's on and on and on. So it's it's a very impressive uh, process. It sure is, and I, I'm glad that they don't uh, they don't fail if just one thing fails. They don't just fall out of the sky. So that's that's a terrific thing. Well, Alan, if if someone wants to get in touch with you, what I'll do is uh, they can send me an email, and I'll forward that to you because I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of questions about what it's like to be an engineer and that type of thing. Uh, would that be good for you? That, would that work, or is there any other contact information you want to? No, that's uh, yeah. Email's fine. I have. Uh... Uh, through the Society of Flight Test Engineers. I have an email through there so I can have professional discussions about that sort of business on the on the society. And we have a forum uh, where anybody can log in and, and uh, talk on the forum. Again, Society of Flight Test Engineers. And so we can share thoughts and questions with lots of people. Okay, and I'll, I'll put a link on our website. Well, again, uh, thanks for coming. I do appreciate your being here today. And uh, we've learned a lot, and I've, I've learned a lot, and I, hopefully the people listening today have too. And, and again, if, if you folks out there have a question uh, for Alan, just forward that on to me. You can go to aviationcareerspodcast.com slash contact, and you can just fill out an email or 
I have a Facebook page too, Aviation Careers Podcast on Facebook or on Twitter. We're at Flying Careers on Twitter. Of course, me directly by email, Carl at AviationCareersPodcast.com. So if you're interested in a career as an aerospace engineer, I hope this has helped you either decide this is what you want to do or maybe you've decided this isn't what you want to do and this does has helped you there too either way i'm glad that you folks are listening and i hope this has inspired you to keep looking towards a career in aviation and the most important thing looking forward is to to move forward and and to take those steps towards a career if you don't know what you want to do then try ask and that's what we're doing here we're asking people questions about their career and i hope this has helped you but get out there don't be shy ask people hey what do you do for a living and why do you like it so until next episode i appreciate your your tuning in we'll be back next week and uh, i appreciate your patience everybody for as you know uh, hurricane sandy wiped out all of our electricity so we weren't able to get an episode out last week but we're now online and everything's up and running and i appreciate all of the uh, the well wishes that i've heard from everybody out there again safe flying and we'll talk to you next episode You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although hosts or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved.